You're listening to the Full and Thriving Podcast, a place where courageous women come to break free from food obsession, heal their relationship with their body, and strive to live a life that's present, lighthearted, and meaningful. If you're listening, my wish is that this podcast serves as a catalyst that inspires you to nourish your body, nurture your mind, and energize your spirit. I'm your host, Meg McCabe, a certified life coach and eating disorder recovery coach with a PhD in having a good time. Just kidding about that last part. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the show. And I wanted to let you know that I am currently in Seville, Spain. And I actually had two lunches today. I was thinking about how in Lord of the Rings, they talk about, oh, I had first breakfast and second breakfast. And I essentially did first lunch and second lunch because I wanted to try two separate places and I'll only be here for a limited amount of time. So I kid you not, I am quickly turning into a foodie and truly embracing the food freedom that my recovery journey has given me. And it's been truly amazing to be in this place while traveling. I've been seeking out new flavors and new foods every day. And food has truly been the highlight of this trip to Europe. I don't know what it is about Europe, but they really have the food thing down. And every day I truly do feel full. And there are moments where I feel like more full than I would feel comfortable with, but I have no regrets, guilt, or fears around it. And I am not stressed about how my body may or may not change because of all the food I'm eating. I really trust that my body is in a place where it will properly digest the food and use the food as fuel for all the activity I've been doing. So truly, it's been a magical experience for me. And Food has been actually enhancing this experience and has given me so many amazing travel memories. I've eaten at a Michelin star restaurant in Lisbon. And again, the food was out of this world. And yesterday I found an authentic tavern in Sevilla when I first came here and ordered a tapa with calamari. And when I got the lish, The dish, it looked a little odd since whenever I order calamari, I expect it to be fried like in the US, but it wasn't. It was actually more of a pasta dish with squid ink pasta. And when I ate it, it was so delicious and flavorful. I immediately did a happy dance and nearly cried tears of joy. I was eating alone in this restaurant slash bar. I was actually feeling a little anxious because my Spanish language is so-so and the bartender didn't seem to have a lot of patience with me. So the food transformed my experience at this restaurant and suddenly I was relaxed and happy. I felt more confident to speak to this bartender. And honestly, I'll never forget that moment. And this is what traveling is all about. And right now I'm experiencing travel without the fear of gaining weight or the need to lose weight. And it's truly a gift that I 100% attribute my recovery to. And 
I am constantly thinking about my clients and those in the recovery collective who, when I ask them why they want to recover, they connect their why to traveling. And I really do hope that many of you listening to this podcast will one day be able to experience the level of food freedom and joy that I'm experiencing right now while I am traversing around Europe for the summer. So anyway, a little bit more of an update. You're catching me a few days after the end of the very first Recovery Collective retreat, and it was incredible to meet several of our members in person in Portugal. One of the best parts was having silent mornings together, and we would wake up and have a snack and journal and reflect and do a silent yoga practice together. And I've never been very much into yoga, but doing it on this retreat overlooking a valley in silence with a group of people that I truly care for, yoga finally clicked. And with all of that silence and movement, it really allowed me to tap into many of the painful emotions I still have surrounding the recent breakup in my life that I've been sharing with all of you about. And honestly, it's been about three months since the breakup, and I thought I was over a lot of the difficult parts. But each moment, I cried during this yoga practice. And one morning, I truly cried a lot. Like, I essentially had a breakdown. and it was really difficult. I felt the spectrum of emotions. I felt anger, betrayal, sadness. I also felt gratitude. There were moments where I really missed my ex-partner and I could feel the emotions moving through my body doing these yoga practices every morning. And it really felt good to release these emotions and honor the emotions as they came up. And I think sometimes, although I've gotten so much better at doing this, sometimes it's very easy to just get busy and let the emotions stay stuck inside of you. And this week, I truly wasn't letting that happen. So the morning during the retreat, I had a big cry and it was a little embarrassing because it was in front of all of the members, but we had all been crying in front of each other throughout the retreat because it involved a lot of emotional work on my end, but also especially on the members' ends. And one of our members actually came up to me after I had my breakdown during yoga and she verbalized to me so kindly that she was really relieved to see me cry. And since she had been crying a lot throughout the week, she was starting to think that she was weak because of it and that it was really upsetting her. And seeing me cry, someone she considers a strong person and a leader, actually helped her realize that crying is okay and that strong people cry and crying isn't a sign of weakness. And honestly, as kind as her words were, the most valuable part of that interaction was that she came up to me when I was in a vulnerable state and comforted me and made me feel better. And I just feel so grateful for the fact that she came up to me in that moment because I was feeling really vulnerable and kind of closed off and she helped me melt into the more relaxed state. So anyway, it was so 
beautiful to have a moment like that with one of the members in the collective and also just other moments of connection with the people I've been meeting with regularly now for over a year and a half. And essentially, I'm going to keep dedicating myself to feeling all of these emotions and learning all of the lessons I need to around this long-term relationship ending. And if you guys listen to the most recent episodes, I've been cluing everyone in. But essentially, I am determined not to make these emotions turn into some negative coping skill or something that could harm me. I do not want to repeat any old patterns in my next relationships. So that means I need to feel all the feelings now so that when I do finally meet someone again who is amazing, I'm actually emotionally ready and open to embrace a new partner. And I am nowhere near close to dating again. The thought of it really just freaks me out. But I do know that all of this emotional work that I'm doing will give me an advantage and actually help me reach a place of openness sooner than if I left everything inside of me to fester and cause more suffering in my life. So anyway, that's my latest update for all of you. Europe has been so amazing. And this time next week, I will be in Croatia, which is really exciting. Okay, so I wanted to talk about my emotional experience to start off this episode, because today I want to talk with everyone about emotions and probably because it came up a lot during the retreat. So I have a few points here that I want to reiterate with all of you about emotions. This is clearly not the first time we've discussed emotions on the podcast, but I think all of this is something that my listeners need to hear again and again until it solidifies. So primarily first, emotions are temporary. If an emotion is lasting a long time for you, it's likely due to the thoughts that you are having around a specific circumstance in your life. Thoughts have the ability to keep us stuck in a painful emotion. So that pain turns into long-term suffering. Rumination is what keeps us in that state of suffering. You must create mindfulness around your thoughts so that you can observe them non-judgmentally and release them. Emotions will be painful temporarily, but suffering is optional. And it's the thoughts that you have related to that emotion that caused the suffering. So emotions actually translates to energy in motion. This means that emotions are energy built up in the body that need to be felt and released from the body. And according to Harvard brain scientist, Dr. Jill Bolt-Taylor, 90 seconds is all it takes to identify an emotion and allow it to dissolve while you simply notice it happening. So when you are stressed, pausing for 90 seconds and identifying and labeling that experience. So for instance, 
I'm feeling grief actually decreases the activity in the brain immediately. So MRI studies of the brain show that when you can identify and label an emotion, it immediately calms the brain down. So essentially, when there's an external experience that causes an emotional response, there is a 90-second period in the body where there's a chemical reaction happening. And this chemical process flushes these emotions out of the body within 90 seconds. And after that, any emotional response that continues to happen is just the person staying in that emotional cycle or loop where they are attached to certain thoughts that cause them suffering. So if you think about that, if you can feel these emotions as they come up, as there's a surge of emotion or a wave happening of emotion in your body, instead of resisting these emotions or attaching to them by thinking thoughts that support them and solidifying beliefs around them, what you can do is feel this emotion coming on, identify it, label it, and feel it fully so that you can release it and move on with your day. And this explains why you must feel your emotions and release them. I know many people with eating disorders are geniuses at avoiding their emotions. But if you avoid facing and feeling your emotions, that energy will become stuck in your body. And this can result in mental and physical illness. It can also result in painful rumination that turns initial emotional pain into long-term suffering. Suffering is optional if you can feel all the feelings that are coming up for you in the moment. Secondly, which I've already touched on, something that's really important to remember about emotions is that you must be able to clearly identify your emotions and build up a level of emotional literacy and body literacy related to all of this. So emotional literacy is building mindfulness and awareness around how certain emotions feel specifically to you and how you uniquely experience them. Feelings aren't the same experience for everyone. Sadness for me might be a completely different experience for someone else. The more you notice you're feeling an emotion, then you can identify it. I suggest to my clients to reflect on the big emotions such as shame, anger, grief, sadness, and betrayal, and ask yourself how you experience each specific emotion and gather clues related to that emotion. So ask yourself, what signs and symptoms am I experiencing when I feel this emotion? So for instance, with anger, how do you experience anger in your head? And you can dive deep into that question. So mentally, what does your inner voice sound like when you're angry? What words and tone of voice is being used when you are angry? So mentally, what is your experience with anger? You can ask yourself, 
What actions or behaviors am I doing when I'm typically angry? That will add a lot of insight. And for me, especially since it's sometimes difficult to identify emotions, usually my behaviors clue me into how I'm feeling, which is very interesting. And finally, another question you can ask yourself is, what am I experiencing in my body when I'm angry or whatever emotion you're thinking about? I know in my experience, when I'm angry, I have so many things happening mentally and physically and behaviorally. I can hear my inner dialogue. A big clue for me is I'm actually kind of practicing an argument in my head. Like I will engage in an argument that I want to have with someone I'm angry with mentally before I actually talk to that person. And also sometimes I can see myself hysterically crying. Like I can see an image of myself getting really hurt and angry and crying, even though I might not be hysterically crying in real life. That image is sometimes offered to me. Usually when I'm angry, my chest gets tight. I can feel a built up of tension in my body and even some heat in my body. And I can feel defensive. I think defensiveness is another big clue that I'm angry. I'm texting with someone and I notice that I'm writing out a defensive text, I can usually say, ding, 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 something about this is making me angry. And of course, behaviorally, sometimes I'll engage in arguments, which is another big clue that I'm angry. I feel so much energy in my body needing to release when I experience anger. And everything I just listed are all clues that I am angry. So If you need to start connecting to your emotions, definitely gather clues like you're a detective and say, okay, what am I thinking? What does my inner dialogue sound like? What am I doing? How am I feeling in my body? And all of those answers will clue you into the emotion you're experiencing, especially if you have a hard time identifying emotions right away. That could be a great exercise to do. Next. When you experience an emotion, you've got to feel it. And many of us are taught that showing emotion is a sign of weakness or that something is wrong with us when we show emotion or we cry. Many individuals feel the need to hide or suppress their emotions to protect other people. And in my opinion, it's actually healthy to show your emotions and properly express them whether or not you're alone or in front of others. But remember, just a side note here, you can be angry or ashamed or hurt and feel those emotions while being respectful to the people around you. Sometimes I think people believe that when they're angry or upset, that gives them permission to express their emotions by taking it out on other people. And I don't think that's okay. In reality, you can, and I need to say this, you can be angry and express your anger without taking it out on the person in front of you, right? So the key to maybe unlocking a higher level of emotionality as a person is being able to express your emotions and treat people kindly and respectfully at the same time. So something to think about. Either way, when it comes to feeling your emotions, you must carve out time and space to feel these emotions. Don't just push them away and push them away and make yourself busy. 
take 10 minutes to go scream into a pillow if you have to. So for instance, with this breakup and I feel really hurt and sad and betrayed, typically I can notice something happening emotionally before I get really visibly upset. So I can feel these emotions bubbling up in advance. I typically feel a tightening in my chest and then a sense of anxiety. My brain might flash back to something that makes me feel anxious, like a memory or even a thought about the future that makes me feel anxious. And I can start to feel a difficulty in breathing deeply because my chest feels so tight. And in those moments, a lot of pressure seems to be building. And it is in those moments where the pressure is building where I have an option here. I could suppress the feelings or I can feel them and release them. And I know that those with eating disorders might use moments like this to turn to a behavior to feel a sense of relief or a sense of control. After recovery and while you're in recovery, eating disorder behaviors are no longer an option. So you must face whatever emotion you're feeling 100%. So for me in those moments, I have turned to journaling. I tried to journal all of my thoughts and put them all down on paper and I let the tears flow, flow, flow. Usually it doesn't take too long to let the difficult feeling pass. And every time I do this and I honor my emotions and I can feel that this wave is coming on, I actually feel really proud of myself. And I feel as though I'm strengthening my personal foundation of self-trust and mental health. And in reality, it could be easy for me to push these feelings away and say, suck it up, get over it. It's been three months. But to be honest, that would be more damaging for me in the long run because I wouldn't be going through the healing process. And finally, one more point about emotion here, and that is once you identify and feel the emotion, it is appropriate to transform the emotion. And so transforming an emotion can happen through your mind or your body. So for instance, with anger, physically, I can transform my anger by slowing down my breathing. So I like to go on YouTube and do some slow breathing meditations to just calm down my nervous system. And that really helps me reconnect to calmness and peace and brings me back to the present moment. So I, in that scenario, transform the anger. Emotionally, sometimes with anger, it might help to say positive affirmations or challenge my thoughts, or it might be to turn to spirituality and say a prayer. So for me, mentally, I have a few options on how to transform an emotion as well. I can even sometimes utilize a coping skill that provides me some sort of way to transform the emotion. So for instance, a coping skill can give me a healthy sense of relief or distraction, or more likely, a coping skill can be used 
so that feeling the feeling is a little bit more tolerable. Transforming an emotion takes intentional action, so you must make the decision not to use an eating disorder behavior and avoid the emotions altogether. Instead, you ideally should pick a healthy coping strategy that actually makes feeling the emotions more tolerable. A healthy coping strategy will not feel as good as an eating disorder behavior feels at first because you don't get that instant gratification or relief right away. However, I can promise that you will feel good after the fact because you've decided to use a healthy coping skill and honor your future self. And in other words, that means you've used a healthy coping skill and you have chosen to honor the healthy version of you that wants recovery. So a lot of the time, transforming an emotion needs a bit of patience, self-trust, and a reminder to yourself that delayed gratification will come in time. So yes, you will get instant gratification if you turn to a behavior, but the path to healing requires delayed gratification, doing what's hard in the moment so that in the future, true healing has occurred. So anyway, with that, folks, those are my notes on emotions for you. I hope this has helped you just think about your own recovery process and where you are when it comes to your own emotional journey. Are you able to identify emotions? Are you able to label them? How are you doing at transforming them? These are all crucial skills that you must take on when you're in recovery. And please let me know if this episode helped you today. And if you had any major takeaways, I love to hear them on Instagram, or you can leave me a review and let me know all about it in your review. So with that, have a beautiful day. Thank you so much for being here and I will see you next week. 